Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Psalm 33 and 12 says, Blessed is that nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his inheritance. And Proverbs 14:34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. I want to talk to you about our nation, and I want to talk to you about our flag today, and I'm going to ask you to remain standing for the star-spangled banner. Can you play that, Sister Kylie? Thank you, Jesus, for this nation. Amen, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Vince Lombardi said, God, family, and the Green Bay Packers. Pastor Kylie says, God, marriage, family, and ministry. We have to keep these things in their proper order, folks. Keep them in their proper order. I am gonna preach my insides out to you today. I know I will get away from my notes. I am, I am really charged up about what the Lord has laid on my heart, and I think you're gonna leave here blessed. Amen. First Chronicles chapter 22 and verse 19 says, Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Arise therefore and build ye the sanctuary of the Lord God so that you can bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God into the house that is to be built to the name of the Lord. Second Chronicles, chapter 30 and verse 8 says, Now be not stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves unto the Lord and enter into the sanctuary 
which he hath sanctified forever, and serve the Lord your God, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. God believes that the sanctuary is his embassy. He believes that it is meant to be a place where his presence, his power, his word, his signs, wonders, and miracles will take place. It is not limited to the sanctuary, but it originates from the sanctuary. The altar is the most sacred place in this community. Nothing is more important than an altar. It is the place where God promised to reside. He said his eyes would be open and his ears would be open and his arm would be stretched forth to the altar. So we look at the house, the sanctuary, as an embassy. An embassy, just in case you don't know this, is sovereign soil owned by another nation. If the United States has an embassy, that means that the ground that that embassy is on belongs to the United States of America. What happens on that soil must be approved by by the United States of America. It will have gates and it will be guarded by soldiers. If you are ever in trouble in another nation, find the embassy. Get to the embassy as quickly as you can. And if you can prove that you are an American citizen, those soldiers will open the gates to you and allow you in and give you the safety and the help that you need. We find that at the embassy. And we also find that the embassy has its flag flying at the top, at its highest point, so that it can be identified as to what takes place at the embassy. I realize that our nation is facing some terrible, terrible trials ahead of it. And this past week, um, something happened that really stirred me. A person asked me, and I knew... uh, I discerned that this was going to be an argument by the way that they framed their question. And uh, I don't talk about what happens in the counseling office, but I will tell you this. The question was, who are you going to vote for, pastor? Now, I've, I've prayed about this and I've thought about this and I think I'm probably like most Americans. I'm very concerned about both of our candidates I, I had my way, I'd vote for neither one of them. But on the other hand, I know that some brave men and women have given their lives so that we could vote and that we should vote. We should make the best decision that we can make under the circumstances. So I'll tell you who I'm going to vote for. I'm going to vote for a party, not for a person. Because I've learned, maybe it's just old age, but I've learned that they don't keep their promises anyway. I've learned that some people think that they can, that the American people are so stupid 
And you can promise them anything, and they'll believe it. I, th- I really think that they think we're stupid. We're going to give you, what, what do you want to hear? Tell us what you want to hear, and we'll parrot it. Well, you know, I'd like free cell phones. I'd like, I'd like free health care. Free. Free to me means I don't pay. Free health care. Oh, yeah, we'll give you free health care. We'll give you free education. You want education? We'll make it free. You don't even, you know, my goal is that every college student will never have to pay to go to college again. It's free. And I think to myself, somebody's got to pay. Are all the teachers in these schools saying, we're no longer going to charge a salary? Are the phone companies giving away cell phones these days? Are all the doctors and nurses and hospitals saying, hey, these are free clinics. Come on in. There's no charge. I want you to know that this nation was not built on enablement or entitlement. It was built on sacrifice, hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. 13 stripes. The first stripe is red. The last stripe is red. You know why? Because red represents blood. It represents sacrifice. White, the white represents purity. It represents holiness. It represents God. Blue, blue represents truth. That's why the American flag has 13 stripes, 50 stars, is red, white, and blue because it was founded upon the Bible, godly principles, and truth. And with it came great sacrifice. Great sacrifice. Here's our problem, in my opinion. We are no longer behind the flag. We are in front of the flag. We're telling the flag what we want for free. We need to get behind the flag and say, what's best for this nation? Not what's best for me. Not who's going to give me the most. Not how much can I get from this nation. I remember President Kennedy saying it. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. We got to get behind the flag, not in front of the flag. It's the same with the Christian flag. They chose the same colors, red, white, and blue. You'll notice the cross is red. The truth and the purity and the holiness of God is prevalent We need to stay behind the Christian flag. We need to be Christians following the banner, not out in front of the banner. It's not about us, it's about him. Onward Christian soldiers going unto war, but the banner needs to lead us. The banner needs to lead us. It's time for us to stand up and be true Christians 
and true Americans. I believe in patriotism. I believe in this nation. I appreciate the sacrifices that have been made for these over 200 years of our existence. But we still need to make sacrifices today. Now, you may say, I am concerned about this nation. I am concerned about what the Supreme Court is saying. I am concerned about what government is doing. I am concerned about the number of Americans that are not patriotic, that are not doing the right thing. Let me say this to you and be a clear clarion today. It don't matter. What am I going to do? What am I going to say? How am I going to live? You see, I can't control the rest of you, but I can control my own mouth. I can control my own behavior. I can control the way that I live through, first of all, my relationship with God and for my love for this nation. You can't control anybody else. And I'm going to tell you another thing. Don't believe your newspapers. Don't believe your television sets. Accenting, they should put it, on the, put it on in the beginning of every broadcast. Bad news. Here's the bad news of today. Bad news. I don't even watch it anymore. I, once in a while I watch the weather and the sports. That's about, sports part of the news. But that's about it. It's so negative. So twisted. See, news was meant to be reported, not interpreted. Not with a slant, not with a political right or left view. Just report the facts, like they said on Dragnet. Facts, just the facts, ma'am. Remember that? That'll date you too. Just the facts. We need to feel, we need to be faithful and we need to be strong. We need to, first of all, understand that this nation is a great nation. It was formed on godly principles. Most of our churches were born in schoolhouses. Did you know that? The church and the schoolhouse were one and the same. And now we say that we should have a separation of church and state? How does that happen? What are we really saying? Can we kick God out and then blame God for what happens? We need to turn our hearts back to God. We need to turn back to the scripture. We need to start living Christian lives and supporting our nation. We are the ambassadors of the embassy. Let's read this scripture together. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Aren't you glad for that? That's what you were, but that's not what you are. You get a new chance. See, I believe that God intended for us to have two lives. One we, live, one we learn with, and the other one we live with. 
He gives us the opportunity to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. And we need the water to wash away our sins, and we need the Spirit to help us to overcome our sinful nature. Can I get an amen? And he expects the church, not the world. Well, let me, get, let me give you this point. This is a very important part of this message. God is not looking at the world. He is looking at the church. You want to talk about the Old Testament? You're talking about how God sees Israel. Everything is about Israel. Everything is about the Jews. The world's current events and things like that are muddled in, but everything is from God's perspective toward his people, the Jews. The New Testament is about the bride. It's about the church, about what God is doing through the church and with the church to the world. We're looking at the world. God's looking at the church. Judgment begins at the house of God. Isn't that what the scripture says? Did it not say, and we've used this throughout our, pr- our prayer and fasting season, if my people, which are called by my name, that's us, will humble themselves. You're not humble? Well, if you aren't, you be, need to be. Will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. That can happen to the church. He's looking at the church. Somebody said he's looking at the church. And he's saying, hey, this is what needs to be corrected in the church. And seek my face. Then, here's the solution to America. Then will I hear from heaven. Then will I forgive their sins. Then will I heal their land. It all starts with the church. And God looking at the church, refining it, purifying it, and using its prayer. The children of Israel were in bondage to Egypt for 400 years until somebody said, enough! Let's cry out to God. Let's plead with God for deliverance. And when they did, God heard their prayers and he sent a deliverer by the name of Moses. What about the New Testament church? Will we cry out to God? Will we cry out to him and say, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever you want me to be, hear our prayers for our nation. Observe our fastings because of our concern for our our nation. He's looking to the church to be the intercessors for the United States of America and for every nation under, under this, in the earth that is under the bondage of sin. And that includes them all. But it starts with us. It starts with us. I want to express to you the importance of the flag in your life. I did a little bit of study this, this past week, and I remember, how many of you remember that famous picture of those soldiers planting the flag? Remember that? Let me give you just a, a couple of really quick highlights. The mountain where that flag was placed was Mount Suribachi. The men that planted that flag were six United States Marines. 
I will mention them very briefly. The leader was Mike Strank. He was a sergeant. He led the group up the hill. He died later in Iwo Jima. He never left. The second in command was Harlan Block. He died just hours later, also in Iwo Jima, after Mike Strank. The third was Frank Saulowski. He looked like Opie Taylor, like a little freckle-faced boy. He also died in Iwo Jima. He never came home. And then the most famous of the group was Ira Hayes, Native American from Arizona. Ira Hayes could not deal with the fact that he was still alive when most of his friends were dead. Presidents brought him to the White House to honor him. And they told him how great he was and what a national hero he was. He said that people were always pushing drinks on him and telling him how great he was. But these are his words. How can you consider me a hero when only five out of the 45 men in my platoon survived? And how can you call us heroes when 27 out of the 250 that fought for this hill either were injured, the only 27 were uninjured and survived? Only 10% of the men that went up that hill lived and weren't injured. 90% either died or were injured in that battle. Ira Hayes never considered himself a hero. He considered himself a failure. He couldn't save his friends. And he died at the age of 32 of alcoholism. Celebrate recovery, you were too late. Rene Gagman, very little written about Rene Gagman. He came back to the United States, very simple, quiet life, stayed out of the limelight, died at the age of 54. And the last, the sixth Marine, John Bradley. You know where he was born? Somebody said it, Anigo, Wisconsin. Anigo, Wisconsin. John Bradley died at the age of 71, lived a fruitful life, married 47 years, and had eight children. These men paid a great price to take a banner, a flag. It really bothers me that this flag is disrespected by some. I think that is a crime. This is my opinion. I'm not trying to be political today. I'm trying to be patriotic today. So don't leave here saying, oh, he's preaching politics and telling us how to vote. Don't you do that. I'm trying to tell you that this flag means something to me. You don't spit on it. You don't burn it. You don't speak disrespectfully of it. Because if you do, you're speaking against the men and the women that gave their life for the freedoms of this nation. 
Show some respect. Show some honor. Hold it high. Hold it high. Get behind it. Follow it. God bless America. Land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America. My home sweet home. You can be seated. The flag must be followed. The song that you heard today song that you heard talked about a standard and it talked about a banner. Now, I know that I've just told you that those men planted that flag on the top of that mountain. But let me tell you what every soldier that's ever been in battle wants to see. They want to see the flag flying high. If it's standing still, We still own that ground. Anybody preaching with me today? There's still an embassy here. That's why I started with the Star-Spangled Banner. They were looking over the ship. The sun was coming up. Is the flag still there? Are we still in control? Do we own the spot that we had? Are we advancing? Are we moving forward? And as the flag moves forward, the people move forward. We need to have a clear sound as the church of the living God. We need to be a holy people, a righteous people. We need to talk right. We need to live right. We need to dress right. We need to be an example. We need to be the standard. We need to be the banner for the rest of the world. We are not the condemners. We are the convictors. If you're doing wrong, you ought to feel bad. That's conviction. But the church is not bringing condemnation. I don't know if you noticed it. You know how I play with words, so you have to put up with me. Condemnation. We are not here to condemn nations. But we are here to convict nations. We are here to prick your heart and say, this is what this nation was built on. This is what we stand for. This is who we are. We are a Christian nation. So, well, there's lots of religions in this nation. You are invaders. This nation was formed upon Christianity. I'm not saying you can't worship the way you want to worship, but don't you come against, the only persecution that comes in America is against Christianity. I don't understand that. I'm probably getting in trouble. We don't convict the Muslims. Why is that? What's wrong with this picture? It lets you know the source. What's behind, what's the driving force against Christianity? It is Satan himself. Fly the flag high. Speak well of your nation. 
Pray for those in authority. Even if you got a Caesar. So what direction are we going? And Does the flag still stand? We must be, abundant life must be, a multicultural church. A church for all peoples. Not all doctrines. But all people. Watch this. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Peter opened his mouth, speaking of Cornelius and his family, and he said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. There it is. All nations... All nations, he said, every nation that fears him and works righteousness. Can I play with the word again? Right, us, and all in the same nest. Righteousness. (laughs) That's how we stay accepted. Listen to the conclusion of the chapter. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. They of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles, the Muslims, the Buddhists, also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. God crosses all these boundaries, all these borders, because he's no respecter of persons, but those that seek to do righteously, and that fear him, he'd fill him with the Holy Ghost. This time he just happened to choose the Italians, so there's hope for the Italians. They received the Holy Ghost as well as we, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they prayed him to tarry certain days. We need to be one nation under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all. We need to be the United States of America, not the untied states of America. Here's another thing. I'm, gonna, I'm in trouble already, so I might as well just throw the whole wagon out today. I am not for independence. I am for unity. I am not for people that say, well, you know what? I don't need to go to church. I sit in a tree and I hear from God. I don't go to church anymore. You know what you're doing? You're doing what I talked about in the beginning of this message. You're getting in front of the flag. If it doesn't benefit me, I'm not gonna be a part of it. I'm gonna be independent. Do we only come to church for what we can get? Isn't God supposed to, aren't we here for God, first of all, to praise and to worship him together? Did he not say wherever two or more are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them? Does that sound like independence or does that sound like unity? Does that sound like he expects us to come together and that if two or more will agree on any one thing, he'll do it? That sounds to me like united, not independence. If you look at the word united and the word untied, the only difference between the two words is where the I is placed. Where is the I in your life? 
Where are we? Are we a united church? I'm glad to be a part of the United Pentecostal Church. Not the independent. This happened with Brother, Brother Cordell and I. We were in a, uh, in a motel and, and they looked like us and they talked like us. And, and he, the, you stick out if you're really living for God. Amen? I mean, you could pick it up pretty quick. And this guy asked Brother Carl, he said, well, where do, you go? where do you go to church? He said, well, I go to Abundant Life in Oconomowoc, and we hold license with the United Pentecostal Church. And he said, oh, well, God will forgive you for that. And Brother Carl said, well, where do you go to church? He said, well, I'm independent. So that means nobody tells me what to do. Don't ever be independent. Always be in dependence. Playing with words again. Don't be independent, but always be in dependence. I depend on him. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Okay, I've made my point, so I guess I need to stop. So I'll leave you with this. This happened this morning while I was praying about this message, one of the greatest, one of the greatest movies I've ever seen is called The Patriot. I really appreciated the fact that people were willing to make such a great sacrifice for the birth of this nation. And uh, three parts impacted my life. The first part was when the community was in the church building like they should be. And the discussion came up as to what they, how involved were they going to be in this revolutionary war fighting for their independence against the British. And a woman actually made the speech that needed to be made. And pretty soon, fathers and sons started standing up and saying, we'll go to war to fight for this nation. It, w- it impacted me that they would do that, that they would stay. And some of them were just little boys, but they believed in their country and they trusted their father. Even the clergyman grabbed his musket, said, I'm going to fight for this nation. I'm part of this flock. That impacted me. Another part that impacted me was that the main character, in this case, Mel Gibson is the main character, but he'd lost a son early in the movie, and, and later in the movie, he lost his son that was in the war. His son was killed, and he just couldn't handle it anymore. He just broke down and said, I can't be a leader anymore. And the regiment went out, and, and they were really downtrodden. And he went to his horse, and getting ready to get on his horse and he noticed his saddlebag had a piece of cloth sticking out of it. So he went to tuck it in, but when he tucked it in, he grabbed it and he realized it was the flag, the American flag that his son had presented to him earlier that had bullet holes in it and burn marks on it. And he remembered the words of his son, Dad, is this nation still worth fighting for? That impacted me. And it caused a strength to come back into him. And he rose up with that flag 
He put it on a stick and he rode before all the troops, waving it in the air. And they were all shouting and ready to go back to the fight. And then the last part, a short clip that I really appreciate Brother Courtney working on. I want to show you the end clip of this particular movie. And in it, do you remember 9-11? How people ran out of the towers and other people were running into the towers? Which are we for our nation now? Which are we? Are we running away from our nation or are we running toward the fight? I'd like you to see this short clip. One man, a flag, willing to fight for the sake of a nation. So I'm asking you today to please stand with me. Who will stand with me and fight for this nation? Who will hold the flag high? Who will pray for their nation? Who will speak well of their nation? Pray for those that are in authority. And who will stand with me as Christians? And if it bothers some people and brings some conviction to some people, that's a good thing. Not condemnation. Not self-righteousness. Not a holier-than-thou attitude but somebody that will hold the banner high and say, Jesus is still the answer for the world today. Above you, there's no other. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So today, I'm gonna test your Christianity and your patronage and invite you to this altar to pray that God uses you to rescue lost souls in bondage to sin. Be a Christian soldier. 
I'm going to challenge you to come to this altar today and pray for your nation. God would take us back to where we came from, but he's looking at us today and how we're going to respond to the call to battle. Jesus, I thank you for giving me the best two things that I could ever have, a relationship with you and the opportunity to live in this great nation. And we pray today that the true Christian soldiers and the patriots of America will no longer sit, but that they will stand. They will stand for what's right. They will do what's right. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.